Do we have a pattern for music in worship? Thank you for joining us once again this week as we continue our study of music in worship. Last week, we looked at music in worship in the Old Testament. Then it was used specifically by the prophets or the priest. The instruments that were used were specified, and their use was specified. A pattern was established of when and where and who played. You can read about this in 1 Chronicles 28. 2 Chronicles 5 and 35, and also chapter 29, among other places. We also uh, looked at the temple. The temple was the place of worship where the instruments were used once the tabernacle had been made permanent. Uh, that was something that we also talked a little bit last week. As Christ appeared on the scene, the Old Testament was still the law. He began fulfilling prophecies as we talked about several lessons ago, he began to establish a new law, a new covenant, a new teaching, not for the select race of people as the children of Israel or the Jews were, but for all of mankind. Back then, you were a Jew or you weren't, but the message that Christ had was for all of mankind. There was a location where worshipers gathered that was outside the temple, and this was the synagogue, which we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this morning. So we had the tabernacle when the children of Israel were in the wilderness traveling, if you will. But once they were in the promised land, the temple became the permanent place of worship for the Jews. But outside of Jerusalem, there was a synagogue. The word synagogue is a Greek word that literally means a gathering of people, but also refers to a place of assembly. Often we immediately think of worship, but this was simply a gather, a place for people to gather. They used it for education, like a school. They used it for meals. They used it for collecting and distributing for charitable reasons, for political meetings, sometimes court, and sometimes reading of the Scripture or what we might even consider worship. The reading of the Scriptures did occur, though not much of anything else that might resemble our view of worship, or certainly nothing along the lines of worship that was a part of the temple. They did not attempt to carry out all of the acts of the worship that was done in the temple. There were no prophets, likely no priests. It was not the place. It was never considered a place of worship at any level in comparison to the temple. It was an important place, but it was not considered the local temple. And of interest, music was not a part of the gatherings. We read from John Arthur Smith in Music in Ancient Judaism and Early Christianity. He has the following to say, Ancient Jewish cultic music was valid only in connection with the cult, and the cult was valid only in the temple in Jerusalem. When Jerusalem fell to the Romans in 70 AD and the temple destroyed, the cult ceased, and with it, the cultic music. And so he's basically saying, and a number of other, another of other historians and writers say the same thing, that the music went down with the temple. Well, that shouldn't be that challenging for us because music was a specific part of what was going on in that temple. Why pluck out one little component out of everything else that's going on? So when the temple was destroyed, they just didn't pick up some of the things that were going on in the temple. They respected the temple for what it was 
uh, as far as worship place of God, but they did not continue on with the music. So when it came to the old law, there was a pattern. Very specific instruments were used at very specific times at very specific people for hundreds of years. As new instruments were developed or others became more skilled in their use, that didn't change anything. They stayed with the pattern. See, saith he, that thou make all things, Moses was told, according to the pattern show to thee in the mount. Just as the construction of the tabernacle had a specific method, materials, and measurements, so did their music and worship. And this pattern was respected. When the temple was destroyed for the last time in AD 70, the music stopped. Why? Synagogues were not the place of worship. The priests were at the temple. The musical instruments were at the temple. History bears record that there were no instruments in the various synagogues scattered. Why? The place was wrong. The musicians were wrong. The pattern was respected. So our first study is where these instruments were played, where the, 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 there were times, there was sometimes singing, and history brings out that they, we, we would consider them more chants. Sometimes they were mixed, but seldom were their singing and instruments at the same time. But the, the pattern is established in the old law where it was used, and when the place was destroyed, the pattern also ceased. Then we come into the new law. When Christ came, he brought about fulfillment of the old law and the establishment of a new law, a law that was for all of mankind, not just the Jews, a worship that was not confined to a single location, a worship that was open to any and all, not just a specific tribe. But interestingly enough, we see that use of instruments did not radically change. It continued where it left off. Where was it in transition? It was destroyed. That's where it left off. In the New Testament, we start to see changes. The apostles were commissioned to preach the gospel to every creature, to the Jews as well as the Greek or really anyone that's not a Jew. The temple pattern was referred to as an example or a shadow now and then, but the specific ceremonies and processes were not upheld. They were not brought forward, including the music. As individuals began to obey, learning and worship started taking root. Often there were individuals meeting in houses. Paul's missionary journeys had him traveling in various locations, working with individuals, and churches were established. This was vastly different than the temple for the Jews, which was still standing at the time of Christ. Paul visited and wrote several churches and individual, and in a couple of letters, he references Music to the church at Ephesus in chapter 5. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, chapter, uh, chapter 5, 15 and 16. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Then verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So there, that, that concept of respect still is first and foremost. So the previous pattern was use of entrance in the temple by the prophets and the priest. Well, now they're not in the temple, so there's no mention. They were told to use their voice. You might not agree that the voice only is authorized, but I've never had anyone challenge me that the voice is authorized. God accepts vocal music, singing, 
history bears out that singing was was possibly more monotone or chant or or perhaps a a recitation uh, a type under the old law. But this concept begins to open up as the voice is is more freely used and opening in a process that our worship to God benefits those in attendance as well. That's what Ephesians 5 says. Colossians 3 actually adds to that, verses 15 and following. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called into one body. Be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. What? His teachings, his lessons, his patterns teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, we read just a moment ago about making melody in the heart. That's internal, not physical, external so much. Here, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Again, an exclamation point of do what you're asked to do. So let us go on, therefore, and without the count bearing reproach is what we read in Hebrews chapter 13. For we, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Then verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, the fruit of our lips. So we've read about singing. We've read about making melody in your heart to the Lord. We've talked about teaching and admonishing one another with the words that are a part of these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, giving thanks to God, doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus, following the pattern that was established. And here we read about the fruit of our lips. Now, here's something else that's very interesting. Often when you hear about the music in the Church of Christ, you hear the word acapella. Acapella. You know what that word means? It's an, it's an interesting word. It's not a complicated word. It simply means as in the chapel. When you sing a cappella, you sing as they sang in the chapel. What is a cappella? A cappella is singing without instruments. A cappella is singing as they sang in the chapel. Interesting, isn't it? That word that is used to define Singing without instruments references how they sang in the chapel. See, saith he, Moses was told that thou make all things according to the pattern, show to thee in the mount. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Keep and follow the pattern of sound teaching, says the Amplified Version. Keep and follow the pattern of sound teaching or doctrine, Timothy was told, which you have heard from me, Paul said, and the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. What was he told then? Guard with greatest care and keep unchanged the treasure, that precious truth, which has been entrusted to you, that is the good news about salvation through your faith, that has been entrusted to you, through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. What was his charge to Timothy? You keep it unchanged. Follow the pattern of sound teaching. And what do we read in other places? Don't add to. Don't take from. That's the message all the way through the Old Testament. The examples that we have in the Old Testament. Remember Lot's wife? That's one of the shorter verses in the Bible. 
What happened to Lot's wife? Lot and his family was told not to, not to look back. And she turned and looked back and she was turned to a pillar of salt. As we have stated before, and will again, I am convinced that those who worship God with all possible manners of music firmly believe that it is accepted by God. They have to. My question is, how do they know God accepts it? Where's the pattern? And as a reminder, we are worshiping God. Let's review a couple of passages that deal with this. In the book of Romans chapter 1, Rome, the church at Rome changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. They'd gone overboard in a number of areas, but they were worshiping the creature more than the creator. In Matthew chapter 15, Christ told the scribes and the Pharisees that the, their tradition had made the commandment of God of none effect. They had taken a tradition and turned it into law. They had gone beyond the law and had added to it, making it stricter. We're talking about going the other way and loosening up the pattern to allow more methods of music into the picture. It's the same thing. What did Jesus say to them? You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. That, that stings, but think about it. Why has the scene changed so, so much? I'll just ask this question to show how far things have come. Does your church have a lighting director? A technical director? Do hymnals still exist? I'm just curious, and I just ask a question. You cannot follow the pattern and depart from the pattern at the same time. You cannot follow the pattern and depart from the pattern at the same time. After the resurrection of Christ, he met with his disciples in an appointed place, and he said unto them in Matthew chapter 28, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Adhere specifically to the pattern and not risk eternity of torment for a moment of pleasure here. I hope these things continue to provoke thought in the coming days. And we'll put a wrap on this subject next week with some concluding yet very thought-provoking resources. Until then, we bid you a very pleasant good day.